Hello again and welcome to Faith Life 365. This is episode number 24 and my name is Tim Hardison. I'm happy to have you with me. Uh, If you missed any of our past episodes, you can go back, listen, get caught up. Also, uh, please visit our website at www.faithlife365.org. There at the website, we have a blog if you'd prefer to read. Um, We have uh, links to uh, YouTube and Rumble channels for the videos, uh, links to the uh, podcast. Um, So jump over there and take a look when you get a chance. Now, in this episode today... We're going to continue talking about the power of our spoken words. So let's pray and jump in. Father God, we come before you in the name of Jesus. We thank you for uh, all of your blessings. Father, we thank you for allowing us to hear your word and to read your word, to study your word and to grow in you. Father, open our eyes that we may see and our ears that we may hear. Give us understanding. Father God, I pray that as we read and hear today that you would grow our faith, that you would give us knowledge, wisdom, and understanding, Lord. Thank you in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right. Now, the words we speak are powerful. The words we speak have meaning. The words we speak create. The words we speak can give comfort and love, or they can cause harm and injury. The words we speak have far-reaching consequences. Now, in episode 23, uh, we discussed ways that our words produce consequences uh, that are or can be harmful. We said that the definition of the word consequence is an effect, result, or outcome of something occurring earlier. This could be positive, negative, or neutral. Now, Proverbs chapter 15 verse 4 of the amplified version it says a soothing tongue speaking words that build up and encourage is a tree of life but a perversive tongue speaking words that overwhelm and depress crushes the spirit we looked at examples of a perverse tongue speaking words that overwhelm and depress crushing the spirit uh, such as we said You never listen, or you never do this or that, or you always misbehave, or you always do this or that. Why can't you just do the right thing? Why can't you just fill in the blank? You're just lazy, or you're just this or that. Do you ever think before you act? All you ever do is nag, 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 or all you ever do is watch sports, or all you ever do is this or that. How dumb can you be? How stupid can you get? So... Let's think about the first part of the verse in Proverbs 15:4 above. A soothing tongue, speaking words that build up and encourage, is a tree of life. What if we were to bridle the tongue when we become frustrated and think about what we're going to say before we actually open our mouth and speak? How much greater would the results of our words be if instead of speaking with a perverse tongue, we learn to only speak with a soothing tongue. I, I can guarantee you it's a lot harder than it sounds, but it's achievable. So what if instead of, you never listen, we were to maybe say to our child, I know that you have a great hearing. I know that you are a good listener. So please pay attention when you're being spoken to. Or maybe to our spouse, I feel like sometimes uh, you're not hearing me when we talk. 
What if in instead of uh, you always misbehave, we were to say something like, "You're a good person. You're you're a good child. You're a good son or a good daughter. I expect you to always behave properly as you've been taught." Now, what if instead of why can't you just do the right thing? We were to maybe say, you've been taught the difference between doing what's right and doing what's wrong. I know that you're a good person or you're a good son or a good daughter. And I expect that in the future, you're, you're going to always choose to do what's right. What if instead of you're just lazy, maybe we were to say, you are strong and full of energy. You are very smart. Now, when, when you do not give 100%, it gives the appearance of being lazy. What if instead of, do you ever think before you act or how dumb can you be? Maybe we were to say, uh, you're one of the brightest, most intelligent people I know. Take a moment to think about what you're going to do before you act. I mean, those are just, you know, I'm certain uh, without a doubt that you can come up with much better examples than what I I have here. But the point is our lives and, and the lives of those that we speak to would be so much better if we would learn to speak with a soothing tongue and with positive reinforcement instead of giving way to the perverse tongue and crushing other spirits. Proverbs chapter 11, verse 9, this is the New Living Translation. With their words, the godless destroy their friends, but knowledge will rescue the righteous. Proverbs chapter 12, and verse 18, this is a Brian translation. Speaking rashly is like a piercing sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. Now think for a minute about your personal life experiences. Don't think about the words that you've spoken to others, uh, but more think about the words that others have spoken to you. Can you think of any occasions in your life where a stranger has said something really harsh or really hurtful to you? I mean, can you think of any occasions that someone maybe who is close uh, and important to you has said something harsh uh, and, and hurtful to you that maybe hurt you and just cut you deep down in your spirit or, or maybe, you know, took the wind out of your sails per se. Um, could have been a parent, a spouse, a sibling, could have been a teacher, a pastor, a, a close friend. Um, so, I mean, if this has happened to you and I, I'm sure in this life that it, it probably has at some point, it, you know, it may have even, it felt like maybe your soul was crushed. It just felt like a, a crushing feeling right deep inside of your heart and your soul. Uh, you know, you, you, your, your heart sinks. You may you maybe get a lump in your throat. Um, it's, it's a horrible feeling. Uh, for some, you know, this crushing feeling uh, may last for days, may last longer. Now, think about your words. Have you ever been the one speaking the harsh and hurtful words? Now, maybe you had no intention of causing hurt or harm. Uh, you, you may have just been reacting simply out of anger or frustration, you know, and thinking about how it felt to you and then think maybe that person didn't mean it towards you the way it crushed you either. 
So see, when we when we rashly speak harmful words, we're speaking as godless individuals. Our words can often be harmful and destructive to those around us, and and not we we don't even realize it. But those who are righteous are rescued by the knowledge of God's word, because the word teaches uh, them to be disciplined, uh, to speak wisely with knowledge and wisdom. So when we're speaking from God, right, we're we're speaking. Uh, in a disciplined manner. Before we open our mouth, we've thought about what our words are going to do and what we're going to say. So what does it mean to be righteous? So Merriam-Webster defines righteous as acting in accord with divine or moral law, free from guilt or sin, morally right or justifiable. So you see, when we renew our minds in God's Word and we keep our mouth shut and we bridle our tongue, we have time to think about what we're going to say before we rashly open our mouth and unleash a deadly poison from our tongue. Uh, By thinking before we speak, we're able to speak righteously with the knowledge and wisdom of God's Word. Now, sometimes this may mean waiting for hours, may mean waiting for a few days before opening our mouth and responding to a situation that's offended us or angered us or hurt us. When we take this pause and initially we bridle the tongue, we're then able to speak from a position of calm, a position of healing, a knowledge, and with the tongue of the wise and not the rash and the foolish. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 21 of the New Living Translation says, The tongue can bring death or life. Those who love to talk will reap the consequences. That sounds a little harsh, doesn't it? My words can bring death or life. Uh, If I love to talk, I'll reap the consequences. What's wrong with loving to talk? Let's look at Matthew chapter 12, verse 36 through 37, New Living Translation. And I tell you this, you must give an account on judgment day for every idle word you speak. The words you say will either acquit you or condemn you. Now, if you recall, we talked about these words of Jesus in the last episode. We also said that the word idle is translated from the Greek word argos, And uh, Strong's Concordance defines the usage of Argos as idle, lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, and injurious. So often when we love to talk, we find ourselves being a gossiper. You know, the old, I heard it through the grapevine. (laughs) Yeah, no, I'm not a singer. Marvin Gaye. Marvin Gaye made that phrase famous with his Motown uh, hit record back in 1968. Now, some of you younger folks, uh, you may recall in the mid-80s, the California Raisins brought it back in a commercial uh, with the Congo line of Raisins dancing to the song, I heard it through the grapevine. Anyway, so what about gossip is profitable to a man's soul? Now, I'm sitting here with my hand in the air. Why, you might ask? Well, because I am guilty of being one who loved to talk and also being one who has spread gossip. I don't say it with pride. I say it with shame. 
He said, she said, they said, I heard, he heard, she heard, we heard, they heard, we all heard. Look, what profit is in our words when we are speaking about something or someone that's not based in fact? Actually, I mean, oftentimes we, we are speaking about something that's based in fact, yet what profit is there in talking to someone else about a factual topic that's none of our business? Or perhaps it is our business, but it's not the business of the person or persons that we're talking to. See, it's all, it's just words, 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 words. And, and we often, we speak many idle words that one day we must give an accounting for. The words we speak are powerful, yet we don't even realize the power that's in the words that we're speaking. You see, Jesus said, the words we speak will acquit us or condemn us in the day of judgment. <clears throat> what exactly does that mean to those of us who are Christians? Well, let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5 and verse 10, the New Living Translation. It says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We will each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we have done in this earthly body. So for those of us who have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior and confessed him with our mouth, our spirit has been recreated in Christ Jesus, and we have been given eternal life. That's the free gift of God. It's not earned. However, we will still be judged. See, the Bible tells us of two judgments, the judgment seat of Christ and the great white throne judgment. Now, Christians will be judged at the judgment seat of Christ immediately after the church is raptured. Now, don't get confused or thrown off by the use of the word rapture or raptured. Um, I'm just going to go because I've heard a lot of people get, you know, the, so let's just do this. The word rapture it's not found in the English language translations in the Bible. Uh, sometimes the use of the word rapture is confusing and it causes some consternation uh, for those who can't find the word in their Bible. Uh, some say, well, that's not a biblical term and, and you shouldn't use it because it's confusing. Um, you know, you'd say, well, you know, and, and so why use it anyway? Well, let's just take a quick look at the word rapture uh, and its origin as it pertains to the Bible. First uh, Thessalonians chapter four verses fifteen through eighteen is where this is taken from. It's the New Living Translation here. We tell you this directly from the Lord. We who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trumpet call of God. First the believers who have died will rise from their graves, then together with them. We who are still alive and remain on the earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage each other with these words. Now, the phrase will be caught comes from the Greek word harpazo, H-A-R-P-A-Z-O. And Strong's Concordance defines harpazo as to seize, to catch up or snatch away. Now, when the Bible was translated from Greek into Latin, the word harpazo was translated to the Latin word or words rapturo, it's R-A-P-T-U-R-O, or rapimur, which is R-A-P-I-E-M-U-R, taken from the root word rapio, R-A-P-I-O. 
And this, it means to seize hastily or to snatch away. So there you have it. <laughs> the term rapture comes from the Latin translation of the Bible, not the original Greek or the English. So the word rapture, it, it has biblical foundation. It's just a simpler way of referring to when the church is caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord. And so when you hear rapture, we're just using the Latin term uh, translation and not the English or Greek. Now, let's jump back on topic. So at the judgment seat of Christ, now this is immediately following the rapture or the church being caught up in the clouds, we will be judged by God. Jesus will be there, the judgment seat of Christ. And so this is not a judgment of whether or not you're going to heaven or you're going to hell. The great white throne judgment is the judgment that will determine the fate of unbelievers and those who have falsely claimed to be Christians. Now, the great white throne judgment, that occurs it's like a thousand years after the church is raptured and the judgment seat of Christ takes place. So if you've been raptured up, you're a child of God, and you have been granted eternal life with him in heaven. The judgment seat of Christ is a judgment of your Christian life and will determine the rewards, if any, that you receive in heaven based on your life. Now, in this judgment, Christ will examine your earthly works. Now, some may be saying, well, now, brother, our works don't get us to heaven. That's the gift of God, and you would be correct. The judgment has nothing to do with getting you into heaven. You are already there when this takes place, okay? Now, Matthew chapter 16, verse 17 of the New Living Translation says, For the Son of Man will come with his angels in the glory of his Father and will judge all people according to their deeds. Romans chapter 14, verses 10 through 12 of the English Standard Version. Why do you pass judgment on your brother or you, why do you despise your brother? For we will all stand before the judgment seat of God. For it is written, as I live, says the Lord, every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. So then each of us will give an account of himself to God. Now in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 10 through 15, New King James Version, according to the grace of God, which was given to me as a wise master builder, I have laid the foundation and another builds on it. But let one take heed how he builds on it. For no other foundation can anyone lay that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. Now if anyone builds on this foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day will declare it, because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test each one's work of what sort it is. If anyone's work which he has built on it endures, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burned, he will suffer loss, but he himself will be saved, yet so as through fire. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, King James Version says, For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. <clears throat> so in 2 Corinthians 5.10, the Greek word phallos, uh, is P-H-A-U-L-O-S, is translated into the English word bad. Some English translations use the word evil. Uh, the definition 
of the Greek word uh, phallos, according to Thayer's Greek lexicon, is easy, slight, ordinary, mean, worthless, of no account, ethically, uh, bad, wicked, or base. So as you can see, we'll be judged for our works and our words, good or bad. Uh, bad can also be mean, worthless, or of no account, or even easy, slight, ordinary. We, as Christians, have been called to follow Jesus. So our work is not finished when we accept Jesus and confess him as our Lord and Savior. It's just the opposite. See, our work is just beginning, and we'll be judged for our works or lack thereof. We'll be judged for our words, good or bad. Quoting from Dr. David Jeremiah's book, um, The Book of Signs, referring to the judgment seat of Christ. So Dr. Jeremiah says uh, the New Testament Greek word for judgment seat is bema, it's B-E-M-A. Now, this word can also be translated as throne, tribunal, platform, or raised place, depending on the context. In each case, whether referring to Christ or a public official of some sort, the implication is always the same. The bema was a place of authority from which one made announcements, declarations, speeches, or judgments. And in Paul's use of the word in relationship to the judgment seat, he is always referring to the bema seat in an Olympic arena. And that ends the quote. So now, the bema seat is an Olympic arena. Uh, or the, it's in an Olympic arena, and it was it's elevated. It's an elevated seat where the judge would sit uh, to judge the contestants competing in the Olympic Games, and the judge would determine the order in which the contestants finished, and in each event, and then would hand out rewards or crowns for those who finished in positions high enough to receive such awards. Now, I'm not going to get too deep in the weeds on heavenly rewards. Uh, but the Bible does tell us in the New Testament that of the rewards, there are five crowns, the incorruptible crown or victor's uh, crown, the crown of rejoicing, the crown of life, the crown of glory, and the crown of righteousness. Now, and I've, I've heard and read different pastors, ministers, evangelists uh, speak of rewards um, being evident based on uh, heavenly garments being worn or possi possibly certain colored threads woven into the garments, uh, possibly writing on the garments and, and so forth. Uh, but this is not really the topic of what we're speaking about, so we're just going to move along. The point is that uh, Christians, though we do not lose our salvation, we will be judged of the words that we speak on this earth. So, Proverbs chapter 16, verse 24, the New Living Translation. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. Kind words. Have you ever heard the phrase, if you don't have something nice to say, don't say anything at all? Or maybe not those exactly phrased that way, but very similar. See, kind words are sweet to the soul and healthy for the body not just your soul and body, but also to the soul and body of those you're speaking to. So we've talked about the harmful effects negative feelings and emotions can have on our physical minds and bodies. In the same respect, positive feelings and emotions have very positive effects on our physical minds and bodies. Where do a large amount of our negative and positive feelings and emotions come from? Now, 
I don't have research numbers in front of me, and I'm, so I'm not going to quote numbers. But it suffices to say that a very large amount of our feelings and emotions come from interactions with other people. And these feelings and emotions are very often brought on by the words that are spoken to us or that we speak to others. The spoken word is mighty and powerful. It's a mighty and powerful force. And that we don't even, we, you know, oftentimes we don't even realize this and we just speak. We don't, we don't even think. We just speak and we don't think about the, the might and the power that's behind the words that are coming out of our mouth, good or bad. Our, our bodies produce chemicals in reaction to our emotions. So when we have healthy levels of serotonin and dopamine and oxy or uh, toxin, I think it's called, uh, we feel good and we feel happy. And when we have low levels of serotonin, uh, we may actually even become depressed. And all of these chemicals are produced in our bodies based on emotions and, and when things happen. And, and when we become angry or stressed, you know, we produce cortisol or, and, and adrenaline. And these different chemicals can produce healthy and positive effects on our body or they can produce harmful effects on our body. So it's kind of like when, when you're driving a car, Think about uh, most of us, you know, we look behind us before we back up. We signal before we turn. We slow down for sharp turns or other obstacles. We stop at stoplights and stop signs. Um, I say we inclusively because we know that some of us don't do those things. <laughs> but no. But the, and think about, so uh, for those of us who use firearms, um, we make sure that they're never pointed at another person. You treat a weapon always as if it's loaded. Uh, you always point it in a direction uh, away from where it could cause harm uh, to anyone should it discharge uh, around. So we make sure that when we store them, they're stored safely. See, otherwise, we could cause serious harm or death to others around us via the vehicle uh, or, or a firearm. But we have no problem unleashing the fiery tongue full of poison, often on the ones that we love most, without even thinking, not even for a split second, of the effect that it's going to have. So, you know, it's, it's like throwing the car in reverse and stomping on the gas pedal, Whoa, right, straight back, not even looking, not just, right? Or I've got a loaded, a loaded weapon, the safety's off, and I'm just pointing it all around, pointing it all around family members, never, never considering that if I accidentally discharge that round, I could, I could harm or accidentally kill someone. So you, just remember, I, and these analogies, I'm just trying to come up with something to impress upon you. You know, remember, we will account for every idle word that we speak. It's just like pointing a gun at somebody and pulling the trigger or or, or, you know, throwing the car in reverse and going. Uh, we're going to account for it. We, we may fire off some things out of our mouth and it, you know, it bounces off the other person and doesn't cause harm. Or we may fire off some things out of our mouth and we may cause someone great harm. We just, we just don't know when we treat, when we, when we speak. The words are powerful. 
So, you know, if you recall, the word idle is translated from the Greek word argos, meaning idle, lazy, thoughtless, unprofitable, and injurious. Proverbs chapter 18, verse 4, the Amplified Bible, says the words of a man's mouth are like deep waters, copious and difficult to fathom. The fountain of mature, godly wisdom is like a bubbling stream, sparkling fresh, pure, and life-giving. The fountain of mature, godly wisdom allows us to bridle our tongue and think before we speak. Kind words are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy for the body. The words that we speak, they can never only be compromised of words that are like honey, sweet to the soul and healthy to the body. However, they can be all free of fiery poison and idle words. We can become mature in the Word of God and exercise godly wisdom by bridling our tongue and thinking before we speak or respond. Now that is all for this episode. Uh, We're not finished with talking about the power of our spoken word just yet, though. So please join me in episode 25. We're going to continue on this topic. I want to thank you for listening. May God bless you and keep you today and every day as we grow in faith and live the faith life 365 days per year.